Hello and welcome to Fixing the Future, an IEEE Spectrum podcast where we look at concrete solutions to some big problems. I'm your host, Stephen Cass, a senior editor at IEEE Spectrum. And before we start, I just want to tell you that you can get the latest coverage from some of Spectrum's most important beats, including AI, climate change and robotics, by signing up for one of our free newsletters. Just go to spectrum.ieee.org newsletters to subscribe. Today, our guest is Alan Clark from SUSE's CTO office. SUSE is one of the oldest open source companies in the world. I think I still have some SUSE Linux CD-ROMs from the 1990s lurking in a drawer myself, but it's now a founding member of one of the newest trade associations, the Open Enterprise Linux Association, or OpenELA, along with Oracle and CIQ. We're going to be talking with Alan about the crisis that prompted the creation of the OpenELA and how the new association hopes to address it. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. It's great to be here. And by the way, I wish I had kept those uh, floppies and CDs from those old releases, just just for the museum <laughs> piece, right? Yeah, they're just deep, deep in a drawer. In that, like, I cannot, I cannot tell you that. No, no, I can't. Um, but I mentioned a crisis for for people who aren't familiar with the world of enterprise Linux and the companies involved. Can you explain uh, what happened earlier this year that really upset a lot of people? Yeah, so there was a, an action by Red Hat that upset a lot of people. We can talk about why, but it's actually been a trend for quite a while. And then they made the announcement um, that they were going to remove public access to the uh, RHEL source code. And um, that's really contrary to open source principles and values, right? And so that created a lot of concerns amongst vendors, developers, and, and users of the technology, right? So RHEL is Red Hat Enterprise yeah. Linux. And, yes. and, and why, why is it so, so important that it would cause so many people to like go, blah? Well, think about it um, from open source perspectives, right? Open source has always had the meaning that I can take that and do things with it, right? I can create innovation and I can, I can use it for the things that fit my need. And then all of a sudden now they've switched the game and people are going, wait, will I not be able to use this anymore? Will I not be able to use it how I need it to be used, right? Is this going to kill my innovation? And so that's caused great consternation, not just from other vendors that are part of the ecosystem, but from users themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is because Red Hat was also a very early entrant. It's been around a long time. And, and so people have kind of uh, coalesced around it in, in many ways. And so this was a bit of a shock to them. It is a bit of a shock. And, and uh, you know, two aspects of that. One is you're exactly correct. There's a lot of people that have been using this technology for a long time and based their business on it. And then the second aspect, when you think about it, I'm sure it's upwards of 90% of businesses are using open source today, right? So they, they've caught on to the benefits that open source brings. And then all of a sudden you're saying, well, this isn't quite so open. And they're going, wait, I've, my business is built on those concepts of open source. And now you're ripping that away. What does this mean to me? So maybe just for readers who might not be familiar, because Linux comes in so many different flavors. It's found everywhere from satellites to, to mainframes. What is kind of the defining characteristic of, of enterprise Linux? So enterprise Linux, and you're correct, it does come in all, all kinds of flavors from very small to very large, right? The enterprise portion of this is that it's ready to run your critical business processes, right? 
that's what we define as, as being enterprise ready. So, you know, it's not, it, it, I can use it in a hobby situation, right? And there's a lot of distros that are tuned to specific hobby needs, right? I know people that run HO scale railroad systems using Linux, for example. Well, if it has a fault and crashes, it's not a big deal. You put the train back on the track and away it goes. If you're, if you're using Linux to, for air traffic control, right? That has got to be really hardened and tested and, and secure. And so that's what the enterprise portion of this means. So can you talk a little bit about the, the genesis of, of OpenELA? So we have this controversy, people are unhappy with what Red has been doing. How is it that, you know, Oracle and CIQ and SUSE kind of like pick up the bath phone and call each other and, and start this ball rolling? Well, so their, their announcement, you know, spurred, spurred us uh, to say, oh, we should do something and we should react to this. But on the other hand, part of this has come about just because the power of collaboration, right? And, and the simplest aspect of that is we're reducing cost, right? By sharing that cost. And those aren't the costs of getting the code and, and assembling it and, and you know, putting it in a format where we can consume it is not a market differentiator. And so by sharing that cost amongst us, we've reduced it for everybody. And it you know makes it quicker to market, reduces our cost. The other aspect of it is that I think is key, and why we really want others and, and others want to come join us, is we're preventing the market from fragmenting, right? Like you said, there's all kinds of distros out there, but we're looking to continue on with this enterprise Linux standard um, that Red Hat has set. And if we all go off and do our own little thing there's a chance that it'll fragment. And we know what happens when that, ha you know, when that occurs, right? You look back at the you know, Unix days and um, you cause that fragmentation and all of a sudden you can't get applications and services that work on, on everybody's distro, right? Um, by pulling together, unifying together, we're gonna keep that market whole. And what is now OpenELA actually going to do in concrete terms in terms of stopping that fragmentation from happening and maintaining a standard sort of uh, independent of, of, of Red Hat's current offerings? Yeah, so um, the first thing, one, the big, one of the big things we're working on is creating a neutral um, legal body, right? So that it's not controlled by any single vendor, right? So we've all come together big, small, whatever, it doesn't matter, we're all gonna be equal players, right? So that's that's key in, in building good open source practices. So the second thing we've done or, or working on is building the ability to uh, have the source code that is, we'll call it pristine. It's in line and in tune with what Red Hat has been producing, right? And we will keep that compatibility. We wanna keep that compatibility. And so we're setting up the, the code repository so that we can keep that compatibility. But then we're also setting them up so that uh, innovation can occur. And so I'll be able to come in there and say, I just want to stay in step with the standard that Red Hat is setting. And that's what I want. I don't want anything else. Um, others will be able to come in and say, I want to contribute this piece 
and they'll be able to pick up that as well as the one-to-one -one compatibility. So those are the big things we're working on right now. When the announcement was made to launch um, Open ELA, you did say, yes, it's going to be under the control of a nonprofit board of directors and the bylaws will be published shortly. So yeah. you know, how are the formation of the board and the creation of the bylaws going? <laughs> They're coming along quite well, actually. I, I smile because this is one of those things that always takes longer than you want, right? Um, but they are coming along. Legal things are always slow, slower than you want them to be. But they're they're coming, they're moving along um, quite well. We've actually are uh, pushing ahead um, with a stronger. I wouldn't say stronger. Very concerted effort to get the technical stuff done because that's really the proof of it, right? That we can actually get the code out there and make it available to everybody. So we've been putting a really large amount of effort into getting that completed as well. And how, how is that development? You talked about organizing source code and also there's creation of software tooling that has to go along with that. Um, yeah. how, how is that work going? I mean, is it being evenly distributed across um, sort of the three founders or is one group taking a lead at this particular moment or is it all being done in parallel? Uh, how, how's that work being done? It's it's working out very well. Um, so, you know, you recognize that these companies have been doing this for years, right? So we don't have to reinvent everything, right? Or or invent everything. It's already being done. So it's more a matter of taking the best of everything we've got and putting it into a format that we know will be using, usable by everybody. So we don't have to start from scratch. Um, we're able to pick up a lot of the tools and stuff that are already being used and, and tune them and modify them to fit OpenELA. So OpenELA was founded just a couple of months ago, so I appreciate it's yeah. very early days. But what kind of response have you had from the wider community? It's been very positive, really positive. Uh, we have a lot of people that are anxious to get started. Um, a lot of people have been pinging us going, hey, we want to contribute. We want to join. How do I do that? And we're going, hang on just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. <laughs> we really got to get that legal entity so that it's a neutral body, right? We don't want it to be a, a not neutral. So we got to get those rules down on how people can join and so forth. So they're coming out really soon. So, so lo looking to the future, uh, we, we talked about, you know, maintaining this sort of enterprise Linux standard, which is closely based on the Red Hat de facto standard. Do you foresee a time in the future where maybe those might diverge? And so, um, you know, you have the open ELA enterprise Linux standard, and then over here is RELS. And, you know, maybe those two aren't tightly as, as coupled uh, before, you know, one is RELS thing, and the other is this, you know, open source uh, community thing. You know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know what will happen. Um, right now, our mission is that we will stay one-to-one -one compatible with them. Um, you know, if they make some decisions that personally, I, I believe would actually very much hurt them themselves, right? Self-inflicted wounds kind of thing. Uh, it's possible they could do something. But you also have to remember that everything we're dealing with here is open source. Right. So, and it's open source that SUSE has been contributing to, like you said, what, 30 something years. Um, 
Oracle, the same thing. They contributed for years and years and years in CIQ and, and all these other community members. So it, it's all open source. So unless they do something really dramatic and go proprietary, you know, even more proprietary, right? Um, it all feeds back upstream. So it's all going to be available. Um, so I'm, I'm not overly worried about it, uh, given their, their current decisions. Um, that we'll be able to stay one-to-one -one compatible. So just, I want, I want to step back for a moment while I have you and, and just look at some, some big question issues. You know, I talk about, you know, Linux in the 90s. And the first time I touched, uh, you know, a Linux machine was as an undergraduate in the early early 90s when it was this very fascinating, if somewhat clunky, clunk, clunky thing. And it's, and you know, we've, we've had this evolution, you know, with, with people like, you know, Linus Torvalds has been, the guy for for 30 years and so on and we're kind of i know i'm not as young as i used to be and we're kind of coming to this in, in generation inflection point um with linux where sort of a new uh cadre of people are coming up and are, are using it you know what are your thoughts about how sort of open source has evolved in, in 30 years is it really would it be is it recognizable from from those early days to what is now and, and where do you think it's it's going to go as we start to see people in the next you know, 10, 15 years start to retire and a new generation um, take over? Well, the beauty of, of open source is, you know, sometimes people say, well, it's like herding cats because you've got so many people involved, right? With, um, and they're all there um, to serve their own needs, right? Some will say that's bad. I say that's really good. But what it's proven out over there is, and yeah, it has changed, it's grown, right? I've seen these projects. Some of these projects that I'm involved with have thousands of engineers, right? And so a couple of things that I've seen happen over the years is they've become very diverse geographically and people-wise, you know, just the different varying talents and skills and backgrounds has really grown over the years. And, but, the big thing is, is I've seen this talent emerge and because of the collaborative nature, it's not that uh, a single person has all the knowledge, right? I've worked in proprietary software and you end up depending on this key guy that knows it all, right? And the company sits and worries about, you know, what if the train hits this guy tomorrow and he dies? What's the company going to do, right? The stock will crash or whatever. I'm not as worried about that with open source because there's so much, it's so open and transparent that people with all these differing talents are able to come in and become a real critical piece to this. And so I think that the, with that talent pool, I'm not worried about the future of open source. It'll just keep rolling on. You know, we've got some real good leaders today. I do not want to see them disappear, right? You know, people like Linus, they are key. They are really key. But um, open source will continue to grow and move on. So um, I just want to finish up. Is there any question uh, you think I should have asked you, which I haven't asked you? <laughs> That's always the catch-all question, isn't it? No, I, I, I think we've talked about a lot of good things. I'm just very excited about the future of open source. And the potential that it brings, right? The innovation. Uh, I see all these new concepts. I remember when, when I first started, I started in engineering and networking, right? And TCP IP developed and everybody says, it's done, right? 
TCPIP is it, it's done. Let's all move on to something else, right? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait a minute. We didn't, we didn't write TCPIP with enough addresses to cover the world. We never envisioned that everybody would have, you know, 10 devices in their house, let alone 100. And all of a sudden you got to invent again, right? And so I just think there's so much new technology to be invented um, that I'm very excited about the future. Wonderful. So today we were talking with uh, Alan Clark of Sousa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Stephen. And Alan was talking about the new Open Linux Enterprise Association. And uh, for more information on that, you can visit their website, which is openela.org, I believe. Correct. And um, yeah, please come back and uh, check out in two weeks' time another episode of Fixing the Future here from IEEE Spectrum.